Yeah, Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we're people that believe it from Genesis to Revelation. Lord, we don't question it. Uh, Lord, we take it at face value. Lord, we know that you meant what you said and you said what you meant. And so, Lord, today we thank you for just the anointing that comes with the word. Father, we thank you that the word of God is, is as you said in, in 2 Timothy, that all scriptures God breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man and the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped. So, Lord, today come and equip us through your word. Father, thank you for getting in our thinking. And Lord, if there's just things that we've heard as we've grown up, things that we've heard even our adult life that didn't line up with the word, Father, we just pray, God, that those things would be broken off of us. And Lord, that we would know the truth and we would walk in the truth and we would enjoy the truth and be fulfilled by the truth. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you for coming and teaching. We absolutely make room for you. Whatever you desire to say and do, do it in this house today. We just open up our hearts to bless you and to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you've been here over the past... Uh, month or so, you know, we spent quite a bit of time talking about five powerful words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, where he simply said this. He said, I will build my church, right? And, and I just believe this as we took a step back and we stripped away uh, all of that unnecessary complexity that people have tried to add to those five words. We simply found out this amazing truth that when Jesus said, I will build my church, he was talking about who? He's talking about people. Somebody say people. Somebody say people. Yeah, say like we mean it. So listen, the Bible makes it really clear that Jesus was talking about a people who have repented of their sins, people who have believed in his death, burial, resurrection, people who have received by faith salvation, the salvation he has provided, thus making him the Lord and the Savior of their life. But, but it doesn't stop there, gang. And this is what I want to focus on today. It, it actually, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he was actually talking about people who know and walk in their redemptive calling. He was talking about people who know and walk in their redemptive calling. I realize that term may be new to a lot of people, but, but we'll hopefully break it down today and make it simple. But it's simply this. It's people who know why they exist. It's people who know why they were created. It's people who are fulfilling their God-given purpose on their life. Are you all with me today? All right, checking on you. All right, here we go. Listen, I want to I speak into that thing, once again, redemptive calling today, because I personally believe if we don't grab a hold of this truth, if it's not firmly rooted in our hearts, then we'll never become the church that God wants us to be. Amen. And we'll never listen. We'll never, we'll never, we'll never do church as a team unless we grab a hold of this truth. So I want to share a few uh, verses with you. The truth is today, I'm not going to give you anything that you've never heard. It's not going to be new, but, but we all know that there's a huge disparity in the church between what we've heard and what we actually do. Yes. So sometimes it's good to be reminded of what we need to do. And today I just want to remind you simply of who you are and what we're called to do. Amen. So the first verse I want to give you is this. It's Acts 17, 26. Acts 17, 26. This is a translation I don't typically use, but it's really simple. So I want to use it. It Simply says this. It says from one man, Tomat Adam, it says God made all the people of the world. Now they live all over the earth. Watch this. He decided exactly when they should live and he decided where they should live. I really like this verse because it clearly shows that God has an intentional plan in place for our lives. Isn't that encouraging? It's very encouraging. Listen, it's encouraging because, because it gives us the ability to be confident that we're not here by some random chance, that we're not here by some luck of the draw, or because God, uh, you know, made some kind of mistake. You, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, I've read the Bible, and nowhere in the Bible have I found that, that God said, oops, gang, that's on me. 
I, you know, I missed that one. You, you, you know, my bad. I whiffed it on that one. I'll do my best to make it up to you. L- l- listen, we know God's perfect. Amen. And, and when he's, when we say he's perfect, that also means talking about our lives. So it means today that we are alive because he chose for us to be alive, that we're not here on accident. We're here on purpose because God has a purpose for our lives. Great place to say amen. So listen, think about this for me, uh, with me for a moment. The Apostle Paul said this in verse 26. It says that God decided or God predetermined exactly when. Somebody say when. When, <laughs> when we should live. Now like, watch this. God decided exactly when we should live. Another translation says it this way. I love this. It says that God marked out our appointed times in history. That God marked out our appointed times times in history. Do me a favor today. Don't let this go over your head. Let it hit you in the heart. Okay. Grab a hold of this and believe it. So watch this. This means this, that before the foundation of the earth, God created us and then delicately placed us on his sovereign timeline exactly when he wanted us to live. Are you hearing me? Listen, it may sound crazy, but, but really think about it. Take a step back and go, man, God could have made us be born before Jesus was ever born. He could have said, you know, I'm going to let him be born 400 years ago. But yet here's God in his infinite wisdom. Uh, he, he decided that he wanted us to be born and to live in this century and this year and this day that we call today. Why? Because it fit his ultimate purpose. That's good news. Amen. Listen, Paul goes on to say in the second half of that verse that God also decided where we would live. If you look in other translations, it actually talks about that word where is actually place. What place we should live. So this means this, that God not only pre-selected what era of time we would live in, but he also chose what country, what region, what state, and even what town we would live in. Think about this. Uh, he, could have, he could have made you be born in Europe. He could have said, you know, you're, you're going to be born in Asia or maybe even Africa. But yet, once again, in his infinite wisdom, uh, God chose for us to live in one of the many towns that make up the mid-coast region of Maine. Why? Because it fit his purpose. So true, is it not? So listen, wisdom would say that if God was uh, so intentional about the when and the where we would be born, then wouldn't it also make sense that he would have a reason and a purpose for us being here? Really simple, is it not? Uh, Listen, wisdom would also say this. Grab a hold of this, please. Especially if you're young in the Lord, grab a hold of this. That if God would, would... I hate to say go through all that trouble, but it's not really trouble. But, but if he would be that detailed, maybe it's a better way to say it, to go, uh, to go, I want to put these people during this time living in this place, then wouldn't it make sense that, that we're not going to really ever find our purpose without him? Pretty simple, right? But, but how many people are living today that are trying to find their purpose apart from him? But, but here's the thing. When we step back and realize that God's the one that created me, created me in his own image, he put me, once again, where he wanted, when he wanted, wouldn't it also make sense that he's the one that has that master plan in place for my life? So wouldn't it make sense for me to go to him and find out what it is? Right? Because we're not going to find it without his help. So let me, let me actually take this all a little deeper. I read, I read this story uh, about a, a Christian nurse 
that had been assigned to work with a really, really, really sick man that had been uh, confined to the IC unit in a hospital. And uh, basically, even though this man was in his early 60s, basically the story said that each passing day, he was like closer and closer and closer to his death. They just kind of knew his death was near. So what happened was, is because this nurse was a Christian, she decided to begin to share the Lord with this man, and she decided to begin to pray uh, fervently for his salvation and for his healing. But, but, you know, basically they said as the days slipped by, so did his chances to recover. And uh, one evening, the, the man's breath became so laboring, uh, so labored that they just knew, man, this guy's got a really, really short period of time. And, and so the doctors told her. And, and so what she did, uh, instead of just kind of giving up, she decided to stay beside his bedside for extra hours that day, just praying and believing that God was going to heal him. Now, on the next day, she, she came to work. And when she arrived, she expected to find a bed that was empty, but her surprise that the bed wasn't empty. She found the patient, the man sitting up in bed, remarkable in remarkable health, eating breakfast, completely healed. And as you can imagine, she was pretty pumped. I think we get that, right? So watch this, though. That's not really the point I want to make. But the, the nurse said this. She said, praise the Lord, you're healed. Yep, the man cheerfully replied, I feel great. You and your prayers, you healed me. To this, the nurse quickly responded, which we know is the truth. Oh, no, I didn't heal you. God did. Now, here's the whole point why I'm reading this. She said this, and now it is your responsibility to find out why. May I propose to you today that it is the responsibility of every Christian to find out why Jesus has saved them. Are you guys with me today? Listen, can I propose to you that we all need to ask the question, what was God's reason for saving me? What was God's reason for saving me? You know, most people that I've met in church, they would quickly say, well, God's reason for saving me is because it's so I could go to heaven. Fair enough. But, but is there more to it than that? I believe so. So, so because there's just a simple thing, and I'm a common sense, really simple fella, but, but in common sense world, what that means to me is this is that if God's whole goal of just saving me was to get me to heaven, then it seems like, why have I been, why have I been saved for 20 years now? Doesn't it seem like if that was the only reason, I'd be gone already? Amen. Right? If it's to save you, okay, awesome, you're saved, you're going to heaven, let's go. But, but clearly he left me here because there's more to it, because there's more to the story, there's more that needs to happen with me and through me. Amen? So listen to what Jesus said concerning this. He said this in John fifteen sixteen. He said, you did not choose me. In other words, basically, I saved you, right? He said, but I chose you and appointed you. Can somebody say appointed you? The word appointed there actually means that I assigned you to a role. I assigned you to a role. So you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I assigned you to a role that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Love that verse. Ephesians echoes this in in, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. I've read this. Man, I don't know how many times I've been here. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. But it says this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece, or his workmanship. It says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. What it's talking about? That we became a new creation when we were saved. We became a new creation when we were born again. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Your version maybe says beforehand. To listen, the good things that he planned for us long ago, that right there, what he says, that plan, that purpose there, that is our redemptive calling. That he has a plan for our lives. Once again, let me maybe break this down in case, make it really simple. When I am not saved, I'm doing my thing. Amen? Listen, I did my thing for a long time, right? So, but when we meet Jesus, 
we kind of find out the real reason we're living. And the reason is because now we're connected to the one that gave us life. And once again, now I can understand that that purpose, that purpose is redeemed, my, my redemptive calling. In other words, it's impossible unless I've been redeemed to walk in that purpose. Am I making that clear? Hope so. So, so it's kind of like this. It's, it's, it's this thing that, for some of you guys, I'll say it this way. It's why life doesn't make sense until we're born again. It's because it's impossible, once again, to understand the true meaning of life, the true calling, the true purpose of our life without God revealing it to us. Okay, so let's step in this a little bit deeper and see if we make this a little bit more clear. So, so here is Jesus said, I chose you, you didn't choose me, and I've assigned you or I've appointed you. So let's ask the question, what does our assignment or what does our role look like? The Bible says this in Ephesians 4, 11, 12. And this scripture has been abused, but let's see if we can make it simple here. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. We all get that, right? This says in verse 12, their responsibility, in other words, our responsibilities as ministers is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Listen, another translation, which I like better, says this. It says basically that we are called to equip the saints for the work of the what? Ministry. Somebody say ministry. So listen, so according to God, our our redemptive calling, our God-given assignment looks a whole lot like ministry. Y'all hang tight with me, okay? We're going we're gonna to knock off some wrong thinking today. It looks a whole lot like ministry. Now, ministry at its core simply means this. It means serving. That's it. Okay, it means serving. So I want, to, I want you to grab a hold of this, that God identifies each one of you as a minister. Do you get that? That God identifies each one of you as a minister. The Bible goes on and even goes this far, that, that, that literally that God said that you're a royal priesthood. Is that true? He said that in 1 Peter 2.9. Everybody look here real quick, please. Please, because there's tons of misconceptions in this world. Listen, it, it's like we, all, we can all quote that scripture. We're, we're a royal priesthood. Woo! Let me ask you a question. Did priests go to the temple and sit on their hands? No, they were about the work of the ministry. So, so listen, when he says that you're a priesthood, he is saying that you are a minister. And if you read the rest of that verse, it's to declare his praises to people. Amen? Now, now watch this. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty on this. The, the crazy part is this, is even though this is 100% true and people can quote those scriptures, somewhere along the line, we, as the church, and how about our church, but the church, watch this, that we have forgotten who God creates to be. Instead of fulfilling our own redemptive calling as ministers, we have gotten in the habit of hiring professional clergymen to handle that responsibility for us. Are you all with me? That listen, now it's the, it's the pastor's job to carry the full weight of the ministry. And if he's lucky, he can get a few folks to come alongside of him and to help him. And, and, but ultimately what happens is, is in the church, people relegate the ministry to a select few rather than doing it together as, together as the body of Christ. Listen to me, y'all. This division that's come through that verse in Ephesians 4, that somehow that the pastor and the apostle and the prophet and all these guys, the evangelist, teacher, sit, sit on some elevated stool, Right? Where everybody else is really low and we're the blessed God's people, that's wrong. It's not biblical. Listen, all it is is this, is my role is to do this. Your role is something different. But we all have the same Jesus inside of us, the same anointing, the same ultimate calling. Yes? And so, and so if we could, we could do this, listen, there's, there's honor that comes from this way here, but there's honor that has to go from this way there. 
Are you with me? That, that there has to be a recognition that, that I realize that when I teach, when I preach, that guess what? That there's people there that are just as anointed as I am. Listen, in my opinion, this mentality of, hey, we're just going to hire somebody to do it all, it's caused some great damage in the church. I, I'll, I'll say a few things to you here. That I believe this mentality has caused gifted people to take a back seat. It's called extremely gifted people to take a back seat. And maybe if I can go so far as to say this, that, it, that it's made extremely gifted people just continue to use their gifts for the world and not for the kingdom of God. That's a problem. Yes? Listen, that, that this mentality has literally given some people an excuse to shed their God-given responsibility. That this excuse, or this mentality, sorry, has, has hindered the church's effectiveness, and it's hindered the church's uh, reach or shortness reach. And it's also caused this, please listen to this, that it's caused pastors to be distracted with things outside of their gift set. Are y'all hearing me? Listen, part, part of being a, a man and woman of God is doing this, is knowing how to lean into your strengths and knowing how to lean away from your weaknesses. There's things that I do not understand, and thank God there's people here that are really uh, strong in those areas and gifted in those areas, and they handle all that, and I don't have to. Because if I handled it, I'd get us in a mess. Truth. Yes? Thank God we have a worship team, because if you ever see me play my three chords, that I know on the guitar and try to sing, none of y'all would be here. Amen. If you came, you'd come after the worship. Amen. Don't act like you've ever been to that church. All right, anyways. Listen, this mentality has kept, uh, kept basically God's people from becoming the church we're called to be. But maybe here's the thing I really want to say. I think the, the evidence is probably the most here. That, that, that because people have this mentality of we're going to let that preacher do it then what's happened is, is Christians tend to live so unfulfilled in their lives. And the reason that they're unfulfilled is because it's impossible to be fulfilled when you're living apart from your calling and your destiny and your redemptive calling. Are you tracking with me? Do you get that? And what happens is in church, because people aren't, people aren't basically taking their own responsibility to do their part in the kingdom, what they do when they look to the man so much and look to the worship team, what happens is, because they get unfulfilled, they go, well, something must be wrong with them. I'm leaving to go elsewhere. Well, the problem is you take your same mentality to another church, and you sit in the pew the same way, and you never get engaged. You never connect. Are you with me? Y'all, with me? y'all looking at me like I'm, like I'm beating y'all. This, this is supposed to be encouraging. So here we go. So, so what happens is, is basically because I take the same mentality, I leave that church unfulfilled as well. When it really has nothing to do with the church, it has to do with you, you uh, basically hearing from God, finding out what your passion is, connecting to your passion, and going and getting it. That's where you're fulfilled in life. Amen? L- l- listen, gang, every one of us should wake up here. I'm going to talk to some of you. Every one of us should wake up every morning going like this. Yes, today's a good day. Why? Because you're connected to your passion. When you're not connected to your passion, you go, oh, God, can I stay asleep? Some of y'all been there. Listen, I, I think Wayne Cordero said it best when he said this. I'm going to throw this up. He said, maybe it's time we return to the way God designed the church to function in the first place. Can somebody say amen? amen. Maybe it's time we realize that the ministry of the church is not the responsibility of a few professionals. Instead, it is the divine responsibility of every single one of us. Listen, and let me kind of bring some clarity to this. In my opinion, one of the main things that we're going to have to wrap our brain around is this kind of thinking. Is that before we are a businessman or a businesswoman, we are a minister. Listen, before we're a homemaker, a mom, a dad, we're a minister. Before we are a student, 
We are a minister. Before we're a teacher, a grandparent, lobsterman, mechanic, fill in your blank, uh, we are a minister. So understand that we are a minister first, and where we have been appointed to be a minister is secondary. Y'all follow me? You know, I think a, I think a stumbling block in, in uh, this world is this kind of thinking. They, people think this when it comes to being in the ministry. They think, how can I be a minister? I, I don't work at a church. I, I work uh, for so-and-so, and, and the church doesn't pay me, so-and-so does. Yeah? Let's get biblical real quick. Let's take a step back. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that God is, God is the one that basically has given us a way to make wealth. So if we really believe that God is our source and God is our provider, then every paycheck that we track back doesn't go to a man. It goes to God. Are you following me? So, so, so once again, so, so throw that thinking out. Where I work has nothing to do with it uh, other than the fact that I've been assigned there. So watch this. Really simple thing, and we're almost done. Um, how does God plan on reaching all of the people living in this community? Because... See, if, if you've been thinking that I'm just talking about working in the church and wiping butts in the nursery, then you, you've missed what I've been talking about. Because ministry happens inside the church and it happens outside the church. Okay? Because we are the church. Yes? So, so but, but how does God plan on reaching all the people living in this community? Truth is, there's so many people scattered all over the place, and there's one of me, quote-unquote, pastors in this church. So if, if everybody's just looking to me or looking to Adam at Chestnut or Chris at, at Seoul Harbor or Harbor Light, whichever one, I always get confused. Uh, you, you know, if we're, if we're looking at Mark down at Littlefield, if we're, if we're looking at us handful of guys, Randall down in, in Port Clyde, if we're looking at us handful of guys and thinking we're going to save this place, boy, we're wrong. We're wrong, yes? So, so how does God plan on handling this? Uh, get this. If you haven't heard anything, hear this. He takes ministers and disguises them as teachers, mechanics, clerks, carpenters, plumbers, waiters, coaches, chiropractors, office assistants, lobstermen, business owners, landscapers, etc. Once again, fill in your blank. And he sends them into those arenas to represent him and his kingdom, to literally be his hands, his feet, and his voice to others. Are you all with me? So, so listen, two, two things I'll kind of add here. Um, you know, most of us here know Pastor Brian. Obviously, he... He, he planted the church here, right, him and, and Miss Leah. So, uh, you know, Pastor Brian spent 28 years in this kind of ministry. And God said, you're, you're, you're taking a season off or you're done with that. Whatever the wording is there, you're not going to be working in a church anymore. And he went through this struggle. He shared it with you guys. But one of the things that the Lord spoke to him is this. He said, he basically told Pastor Brian, he said, I'm the one that decides your congregation, not you. Yes? So, in essence... At, at, at Bath Ironworks, that's your congregation. That's not mine. They're not going to let me crawl up in that ship. Right? But, but, but what happens is, is he disguises a minister and sends him on in there and says, go get him, boy. Are you all with me? So whatever, once again, your role is, wherever you work, whatever you, whatever you do, if it's at Allen, if it's paving roads, bro, if it's, if it's doing construction, if it's copyright, life coaching, whatever it is that you do in this room, if it's, uh, you know, rock court, all that stuff, guess what? You're there on assignment because God chose for you to be there, and it's not any less than this. Are y'all hearing me? 
Because why? Because God has a congregation for you. I, I love it. I was talking to uh, Mr. Bill the other day. We, we went and I ate breakfast and he drank coffee. And uh, I felt like the fatty at the table, but hey, it was good. So, uh, but he said this. He said when he was pastoring the church, uh, you, you know, uh, Virginia, Maryland, always get confused. Whichever one, which is it? Maryland, there you go, Maryland. So uh, when he was down there, so many people said, why don't you go full-time, why don't you go full-time? Because he was doing the church and working on the side and uh, full-time basically in both worlds. And I love what he said. He said, basically, I have, I have just as much people in the church there as I do here. So I'm not going to quit pastoring these people. Are you all following me? Yes? So, so listen, when you go where you go, understand that you're there on assignment God put you there, and, and, and don't, don't make this mistake. So many Christians just get mad at people who aren't saved. They're acting like they're supposed to act. Yeah? Look, look they haven't been saved, sanctified, filled the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah, right? They're being who they are. Don't get mad at them. Guess what? You used to be that way. Yeah, so remember the life change that happened in you and realize that there's a possibility for them to make that transition too. You just be a good example and don't blow it for the kingdom, all right? Amen. All right, let me, uh, let me read a verse to you. So I, w- I want to talk about, I'll give you two verses. Uh, Leah, is Leah in here? Come on up here. I want to read this verse to you. And uh, she says she wants to preach today, so I'm going to let her preach. She, she says she wants to hack. So um, <laughs> y'all don't even get that. Man, I grew up, I grew, when I was growing up, my parents used to take me to a Methodist church, and that preacher would hack and sweat and snatch off about every piece of clothing he had on. I was just glad he, I was just glad he had his underwear on by the time we were done. <laughs> For reals. That's when, you, that's when you knew it was good, when the pastor was half naked when he was done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, if you have your Bible, go and turn to Isaiah 61. Let me quit being a crazy up here. Isaiah 61. Watch this. I want to show you what you're going to do where you're at, okay? Are y'all with me? If you didn't bring your Bible, bring your Bible. I could be lying to you. All right? Isaiah 61. You don't always trust what's on the screen. Sometimes we get it wrong. Autocorrect will get you. Isaiah 61. Here we go. This is what you're going to do wherever you work. This is what you're going to realize. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Can y'all say that? Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. Can you say it? Because the Lord has anointed me. To do what? To preach good tidings to the poor. That poor is not talking about people who got a, a dollar in their pocket. It's talking about those who don't know him. Okay, it's talking about poor in spirit. It says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You get that. He has sent you to where you're at to give the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Skip down there. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. I love this. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It says that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Verse 4, last one. And they shall rebuild. This is what I believe we're doing. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall rise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Do you guys get that? That it is, watch this, so we have been anointed to bring Jesus, the kingdom of God, to people. Amen? That where we go, he goes, okay? And and guess what? What's going to happen is 
is guess what? We're going to bring, we're going to revive the community in essence because there's, the, read the Bible, there's a difference when a community is blessed of the Lord and when the Lord's absent from it. And so when people begin to become more God conscious than they are sin conscious, guess what? This region can change and that's our responsibility to help produce that change. Yes? That, that's why when you go places, man, bring, just give them Jesus. Amen? You want to go? Sure. All right, here we go. So this is kind of weird. I really was just saying to him in passing and joking that he prayed the scripture that I had on my heart this morning. So anyway, here we are. I'm going to read that verse again, too, because this is what he, when he ended prayer this morning, we have pre-service prayer, and he ended with Isaiah 61. And I was sitting back there thinking, if he asked me to close prayer, I'm going to end with that scripture because of the things that richness of what is in this word. So it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. When we become a believer... The Holy Spirit comes within us. But when he becomes upon us, it's for us to disperse that. He's, he, he, we are full of the Holy Spirit for us. But when he comes upon us, it's for that to go forth. We are the ministers of God, as he said, to go forth. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal, to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those spiritual and physical captives, and to open the prisons and the eyes of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and to comfort all who mourn, to grant and give an ornament of praise instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, failing spirit, so that the reason we are to minister and to have the spirit of the Lord upon us to pour out onto others is to so that those who are blind, those who are captive, those who are broken, those who are all of these pieces, so that they can become the trees of righteousness, oaks of righteousness. An oak is a very, very strong tree. You don't just easily push an oak tree over. You know, sometimes you look out here, especially when the snow comes and you can see those other trees that are a little soft and they kind of bend. The oak trees don't bend. And so that they can become the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord so that he will be glorified. And who will rebuild the ancient ruins? Who will raise up the former desolations? Who will renew the ruined cities? Who will be the devastations? Who will restore the devastations of many generations? Who will rebuild that? Who will restore that? Who will do that? The broken those who were blind, those who were broken, those who were captive, those who were bound, because the Spirit of the Lord of God is upon us to go out and to take and to the anointing of the Lord is upon us to minister his life, his healing, his freedom, his liberty to those around us. And then those who once were broken, we who once were broken, now have become oaks of righteousness, strong, lofty, right. An oak tree is an amazing tree. And from the oak tree falls the, the you know, it, they, they continue to reproduce. And so we have been made that so that we can restore, we can rebuild, we can be the restorers of the devastations of many generations that the enemy has brought into this place into the places where we live, sometimes into our homes, have been devastated. And he says, this is what I've made you. The anointing of the Lord is upon you to do this. And so that then you who are broken can minister to others who are broken, who can minister to others who are broken, so they become trees of righteousness. And it's all so that he can be glorified. 
the goal so he can be glorified, he can be known, and we can be restored, and our communities then can be restored. Hey, let me close one verse, and, and then I'm going to pray for you. See how much taller she is than me? It's just embarrassing. I uh, should have picked my parents more wisely. Here we go. Got me some height. All right, here we go. Um, let, me, let me show you this last verse. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says this. And we're going to pray for you today. It says, but how can they call on him? Talking about those people out there. Call him to save, uh, to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Today, I just want to do this. I just want to pray for you, simple fact, listen, that you're being sent out as ministers. Good deal? Some of you guys already know that. Some of you guys, that's, that's new. Some of you guys are, might have to tell yourself every day, man, I'm called to be a minister. Listen, if you, are a, if you are a kid in the place, you're in probably the greatest mission field in our community. Okay? At that high school, you're a missionary. At that junior high school, you're a missionary. Uh, even at elementary, man, give, give them Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Anybody want to be sent? <laughs> yeah. Father, I thank you today for your people. And Lord, just in accordance to your word, Father, I thank you that you've anointed us to preach the good news. God, I thank you that you've called us to literally set the captives free, to literally bind up the brokenhearted, to give uh, the oil of joy and uh, literally gladness, God, instead of just mourning. So, Lord, I thank you that you've called us to take what you've done in our lives and extend it to other people through our testimony. And, uh, Lord, thank you, God, the way that you've healed us, that you're calling us to go and just to rebuild other people's lives. And so, Lord, today, just in, just in obedience to your word, Father, we uh, literally pray for every person in this room today, God, that there would be an anointing, an increase of anointing on our life, and an increase of awareness that we have been sent, not by man, but we've been sent by God, to, to literally go and to represent you as ministers of the gospel, to be ministers of reconciliation. And so, Lord, today, I just pray, God, for every person here, God, in their heart, that that would be life-giving, and in their heart that that wouldn't scare them, that they wouldn't have fear in that, but, but Lord, that they would step up and say, God, I know that you've put me here where I'm at, and, Father, that you would help me to be aware of every situation that comes my way, because, Lord, help them be aware, God, that when, when you send someone across their path, that they know exactly uh, what they need to say. And let me tell you guys this real quick. Just, just so often we go, we feel a prompting from the Lord and go, man, what am I going to say? The Bible simply says, if you open your mouth, he'll fill it and he'll tell you what to say. Amen. Or he'll show you what to do. And so Lord, help us to be greater examples. God, of your hands, of your feet, help us be a greater example of God, even speaking for you to understand that with that, as it says in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, that it's you imploring through us that they would give their lives to you. And so, Lord, it's not us, it's you. They don't reject us, they reject you. They don't accept us, they accept you. And so, Father, thank you for that increase today in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Help us to walk out of here in faith to do that. Amen.